everybody. So this is going to be a little bit different from my usual book and TV type of podcast because I am angry. I had planned on uploading something else this weekend, but I feel like this is more important. I'm angry for people of color. I'm angry for George Floyd and Michael Brown and all of the other people in between and the people that came before them. I am a white woman living in the United States. My dad is white, my mom is white and Hispanic. I have a brother from the same parents, and when my parents got divorced, my mom had another daughter with a black man, making her mixed, white, Hispanic, and black. Excluding my dad, I am the lightest person in my family. Once, when out with my mom, stepdad, sister, and brother, someone jokingly asked if I was adopted. My brother and my mom hold their color a lot more than I do, and my sister, being of mixed races, does as well. I am the whitest person in my family. But on paperwork, I check the boxes for white and Hispanic or white and other because that's what I am. To the naked eye, I look white. I typically can hold a tan better than the average white person, though as of late, I've started to sunburn first. But I can jog through a neighborhood and walk through a store without someone following me or calling the police on me or killing me. My husband told me he knew I had some other ethnicity beyond being white, and sometimes people ask me what I'm mixed with because they can catch some sort of trait in me, but on the whole, I look like a white person. In first grade, I had two best friends, Jessica and Stephanie. Jessica was white, Stephanie was black. My stepdad was friends with my parents long before he became my stepdad, and as mentioned, he was black. In fact, a lot of my dad's closest friends were black. They still are. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri, in one of the less fancy towns. I was surrounded by people of all skin tones as far back as I can remember. Seeing and spending time with people of color was not foreign to me. When my mom started dating my stepdad, I remember my grandparents being upset about it. I remember crying and being upset because of all the men my mom had dated after my dad, Jeff was not only my favorite, but the one who treated my mom, brother, and I the best. My grandparents quickly came around and they loved him. I never noticed how my mom and Jeff being together was looked at when we were out in public. I feel like my mom's dark complexion probably eliminated some of the scrutiny they would have faced had she been a pale blonde. When my sister was born, it never occurred to me that there was a difference between us, in a way, because a part of her was black. The only thing that people seemed to focus on was our age difference of 13 years. Anytime we were in public, people thought I was a very young teenage mother. I do remember my mom praying that she would come out with hair that she would be able to manage because my stepdad was bald and my mom never even knew how to do anything with my own very thin, straight hair. She couldn't even French braid. It was embarrassing. Luckily for my mom, my sister was born with dark, beautiful, curly, and for lack of better words, white girl hair. We lived on a street with both black and white children. We spent holidays with Jeff's family in addition to our own. Anytime my friends came over, they all loved Jeff because he was so cool and hip and he talked to us like adults rather than children. Meanwhile, I was fairly ignorant to politics and racism in America. I had a white cousin who married and had two children with a black man, which went over a little roughly with my family members that live in Kansas, but and I never paid very much attention to who my parents voted for or what they believed in, but I feel like it was likely for things that were young and maybe more progressive. I feel like I was mostly influenced by my dad's parents who were very Republican. My grandfather is the best man I know. He worked hard for all of his life, took care of my grandma while she was dying, and provided a good life for his children and grandchildren. But from what I gathered while watching the news at their house, he wanted we wanted John McCain to win, the 2008 election. Don't worry, I wasn't old enough to vote yet. And I do remember a friend telling me that Obama stood for one big ass mistake America. Then came my husband. 
Tommy was a political science major in college at the University of Tennessee. He's a white man from the South who avidly rallied for Obama's presidency. When we first started dating, I would hear about something in the media or politics, and I'd ask him about it and ask him to explain it to me. He would do his best to break it down in a way that would be easy for me to understand, and it was mind-blowing to dissect politics with someone who studied it for four years in college. Anytime something would happen that would confuse me, I would ask him about it, and he would break it down for me, rambling on until I would have to say, okay, enough. But every time he would explain something to me, I would be even more confused. If it was this basic, this simple, why didn't everyone agree? Why were people promoting things that weren't true about Obama? Why were people expressing different opinions about history if they weren't actually factual? We had many conversations about credible sources and specifically news sources, about checking beyond Fox News or even CNN for what the true story is. My husband is the person who currently is reading every single article on every single news source just so he knows exactly what is being said from each point of view. A big problem I realized is that not everyone in the U.S. has a Tommy. Not everyone has someone that they can turn to and say, okay, explain. It's a multifaceted problem. It's not your responsibility to know everything that's going on, but it is your responsibility to inquire and learn about something rather than taking it for face value when you read something posted on Facebook. In the beginning of our relationship, I could only take his breakdowns in small doses. Over time, I became more interested and would have follow-up questions, and eventually it got to the point where I was explaining things I heard or had learned to him. I don't claim to be an expert on politics or anything in the news by any means, but I do understand how to break down and interpret information in a factual way. Here's where you come in. If there is something happening in the world that you don't understand, that is your fault. If you do not do further research or enlist help understanding the motivations behind events, you alone are to blame. It is not the responsibility of anyone else to teach you. But while we're here, let me put it out there. If you have a question about something, I would be happy to help you find the answers. Again, I'm not an expert, but I would try. I have family members that voted for Donald Trump. Let me say that again. I have family members that voted for Donald Trump. I have gotten into fights with those said family members. My husband has gotten into fights with those said family members. At the end of the day, those family members are white or are able to at least check off the box for white on any paperwork. Being white, those family members do not face the same hardships that fall to people of color or lower social classes under a Trump regime. I know that to those family members, Trump seemed like a, comp a competent choice. You get what you earn, we don't give out handouts, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, etc. They get a lot of their information from Fox News and Facebook and never thought to question the validity of some things, in my opinion. They are privileged to be unaffected by any decisions Trump has made during his presidency. They are privileged to complain about things that happened during Obama's presidency. They are privileged. I have heard many of these same family members discussing something a person of color has done that they didn't like. I have heard them use the N-word. I have fought to argue and correct these behaviors and continue to do so. As mentioned, I am from St. Louis and was present for Michael Brown's murder. I remember their conversations in disgust about the protests that occurred in Ferguson. This was the early years of my Tommy breakdowns, and I remember sitting in the living room crying watching all of the media coverage of the protests and wondering why things couldn't be done peacefully. My husband's answer, peaceful protests do not capture attention. We were talking about the protests, weren't we? I also saw a quote once that said, America literally started with us dumping other people's property into the Boston Harbor. And here's something else I've learned in the years since Michael Brown protests. Protests in the name of black people are responded to violently whether or not they are attempted to be made peacefully. 
If you want evidence of this, let's look at the protests for George Floyd being met with tear gas while white people are storming the streets with guns protesting the coronavirus closures. What do you think would happen if black people stormed the streets with guns? Black people and people of color are not allowed to march around with guns. They're not allowed to run. They're not allowed to walk. They're not allowed to breathe. White people make sure of that. We call 911 when we assume a person of color is being suspicious. We pull out guns and shoot them when we think they could be dangerous. Black people walk around unarmed and are targeted anyway. White people shoot up schools and are calmly handcuffed and taken to jail. White people, white men like Brock Turner, are put in jail for three months after sexually assaulting women. Yet a black person seems suspicious and they are killed. Killed. They are not calmly handcuffed. They are not sentenced to three months in prison. They are murdered. And those that aren't murdered are sentenced to death row. I listened to Gabrielle Union's book and she discussed having a conversation with her stepchildren about how they have to behave differently in public. They can't run, they can't wear their hoods up, they can't walk late at night through their very nice neighborhood. I've read countless books, Small Great Things, The Hate You Give, The Sun Is Also a Star, Such a Fun Age, Becoming, Just Mercy, that all document the ways in which people of color have to behave differently than white people. They have to be twice as careful if they want to remain alive. But Michael Brown was stealing, but George Floyd was trying to write a bad check. Guess what my little ass is guilty of? Stealing. Your girl used to roll through Claire's on the weekend swiping jewelry and lip gloss because it's just what the other girls did. The target in our new town is set up very strangely with multiple exits. One of the exits is far away from all of the registers, and there is not one thing stopping people from walking right out of that store with their shopping cart. I think about it every single time I am at that Target. How fucking easy it would be. I don't, obviously. I'm a grown-up now and I know better. But what if my husband never gets his job back after this virus? What if we are on the brink of losing everything? A bitch just might be desperate enough. I don't know. I don't know the motivations of someone stealing or writing a bad check. But I am a person with depth and empathy empathy and I can understand that sometimes shit happens. Sometimes you decide to do something out of desperation or boredom or insanity. I don't think people should die because of those decisions. If you do, please see yourself right out of this podcast. And if we know each other personally, right on out of my life as well. Whether or not Michael Brown was stealing is not for me to decide. Whether or not George Floyd was writing a bad check is not for me to decide. Their motivations or actions do not justify death. Their motivations or actions should not be held under a blinding light in a way that is different from how it would be if my husband behaved in the same way. A black person doing anything that is deemed as suspicious. Wait, a black person doing anything that is deemed as sus- Wait, wait, sorry. Anything a black person does- Wait, I don't know what I was trying to say. <laughs> something about a black person doing something is always deemed as suspicious. This is a problem. They are putting people to death for being a person of color, not because they committed a crime, not because they were acting suspicious. They are being put to death because they are being targeted. People of color are actively sought out because they have the audacity to be born with skin that isn't white. Imagine popping out as a brand new baby and being white. What exactly did you do to make that happen? What right choices did you make in the womb to ensure that would happen? What prior deals did you make with whatever faith you believe in to pop out into a world as a white person? Nothing. You did absolutely nothing to deserve white skin. You were privileged. You were born into a white family and kept it moving. So flip that around. What did the black baby do wrong? What did the black baby fuck up in utero? They did nothing wrong. They popped out into this world completely innocent. And yet. 
If you were to put two babies in the same house, raise them the same way, train them to make the same exact decisions and behave in the same exact ways, and one was white and one was black, what would be the difference? Nothing. And yet, because one is black and one is white, they would be treated differently by someone at some point in time. People of color don't need me to scream and cry about their injustices. They don't need me to defend them and their actions or prove that they're people too. They don't need me to overcorrect and treat them better than I treat white people or excuse their flaws. People of color need me to treat them exactly the way I treat everyone else. They need me to value their lives the same way I value the lives of white people. They need me to be outraged when they are killed instead of questioned, when they are killed instead of allowed to behave as normal individuals. People of color need me to speak up in times of injustice because I have the privilege to do so. In 2016, I made the decision to make my social media circle smaller. If people want to rant and rave about their Trump support, that's their decision, but I don't have to witness it. Over the years, I've continued to remove people from social media whose opinions on race and equality differ from my own. It's not a matter of opinion if Black Lives Matter. This morning, I woke up and decided to extend this to anyone I follow on social media that is an influencer or a celebrity. If a celebrity or influencer did not wish to use their platform to express the injustice of what happened to George Floyd, then I would no longer follow them. We decide what we consume. We decide if we are watching Insta stories by someone who values all lives or not. We decide if we are purchasing products recommended by someone who values all lives or not. We decide who we follow. And I decided today that I don't want to follow anyone who stays silent. I don't want to mindlessly waste time and scroll through social media posts by people who aren't outraged. I was pleasantly surprised to find that even some of the most conservative influencers that I follow, people I'd be willing to bet are Republican or may have beliefs that strongly differ from my own, still found the time to post about George Floyd, even if it was a simple repost about kindness. I understand. Oh, I unfortunately unfollowed a lot of celebrities I really love because they had stories that exceeded 20 slides but were mum on what is happening in our world right now. I still can consume their media and enjoy them in the future, but as for what I am consuming on a day-to-day -day basis on social media, I do not choose to support them or follow their lives anymore in that way. Maybe this is a little cut and dried for some, and I'm not suggesting you have to do this as well. Maybe these celebrities speak up about women's rights and LGBTQ rights. Maybe they just haven't gotten around to posting about George Floyd. Maybe it seems like I'm asking for perfection and my expectations are unrealistic. Unfortunately, I think that this is too important and has happened too many times to be ignored. I think that this is something every single person I follow, let alone the people with millions of followers, should be talking about. This is something every single person should be spreading because spreading the word about because this is America and this is a problem. I don't want to follow people anymore that think posting about their new movie or their kids or this great coupon code is more important than highlighting the injustices in our country. I choose to consume social media content from people that, like me, are angry and upset that this happened. People who, like me, are allies to people of color and who want this to stop. People that choose to ignore what is happening to people of color right now are siding with the oppressors, and no one is free when others are oppressed. People are living privileged lives because the injustices of black people do not personally affect them. Privilege is when you think something is not a problem because it is not a problem to you personally. I have been sharing my thoughts about all of this on my social media platforms and I guess I just felt like it was important to hold myself to the same standard I'm holding celebrities to. This podcast is my own teeny tiny platform and even though my audience is not very large and I mostly use it to ramble about things that I care about, I too have the opportunity to highlight the injustice happening in the United States right now. 
in hopes that someone listening is enlightened or that someone with expectations equal to my own can continue to follow this podcast knowing that I will not be silent. I hope that this wasn't too rambly and I thank you all for listening. If anyone has any questions regarding this podcast or otherwise, you can email me at shereadhesaid at gmail.com. And since this is a mostly book podcast, I'll end with a quote from Harry Potter. When asked what he thinks about those who want to put wizards first in the dark times of Voldemort, Kingsley Shacklebolt says, I'd say that it's one short step from wizards first to purebloods first, then to death eaters. We're all human, aren't we? Every human life is worth the same and worth saving. Mm -hmm.